0: welcome to another episode of Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am your host Kim and I'm so excited that you have decided to tune in and listen. If this is your very first time, welcome. If you are part of the community here, welcome back. If you missed out on the last episode, please go back and check it out. I got a chance to sit down and talk to Jasmine, who is a public health scientist at the CDC. We talked all about what's best for you and your baby. So if you are unaware, African-American maternal mortality rates are at an all-time high. So I highly encourage you to become educated about your maternal health. So whether you are planning for pregnancy in the future whether you have had a child in the past or maybe you don't even know that you'll have a child in the future. I still think it's great to become educated. If you are not subscribed, what are you waiting on? Go ahead and take a moment to pause this and make sure you're subscribed so that you never miss an episode. If you are wondering what I'm up to these days, Please take a moment to follow me over on Instagram at single black motherhood. I am very active in my stories and my daughter and I are actually traveling to Cancun this week for spring break, but also to celebrate her seventh birthday. And I'm super excited about that because it will actually be her very first time traveling out of the country and getting a chance to get her passport stamped. But anyways... Today, we will be talking all about co-parenting. A while ago on my Insta stories, I asked you guys if you had any questions about co-parenting and I got a chance to sit down and chat with David and Clark, the host over at Single Dad Why You Mad podcast. They answer your co-parenting questions and so much more. Clark is a single dad who has been married before and David is a single dad who hasn't ever been married so they can speak from both of those perspectives. And <laughs> let me tell y'all they are hilarious and they have two totally different personalities and you'll get a chance to experience that while you're listening. And I'm doing something a little different. David suggested that I let you guys listen to The background of what it sounds like before we actually start recording the episode. So let me know what you guys think about it. And if you want to hear more of this in the podcast, then I will try to include it. All right. So without further ado, let's get into it. I have to get her situated because she'll be talking. Where is Clark? He was early and now.
1: So, uh, Probably still one minute, too. So, you know, you have her in the other room. What time was she up today?
0: Last night, I want to say she went to bed around 11-ish. And then I was up because I had to work on my paper and then I was talking on the phone. So I went to bed probably around two or three o'clock. And so... At- Wait a
1: minute. So she went to bed at 11 and she's up now?
0: Yes. Like, she literally woke up. Oh, my up goodness. Oh, days.
1: my goodness. Oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> yes, and normally I try to wake up an hour or two before her on the weekend so that I could get stuff done, it, you know, like in quietness, but it did not happen today, so.
1: Well, you went to bed at 2 a.m., so uh, I don't have my kid um, on the weekend. She picks him up from uh, camp because he had holiday camp. Schools are closed in New York this week, did you know? Oh, Do you wow. have? Are you guys... School is open or closed for you guys?
0: Open. So what is that? Like, Bob, right? Because, well, your kid is, how old?
1: So my kid is three and a half. Um, He'll be four in April. And he goes to preschool. Okay. So preschool is from 8.30 in the morning until 3.30 in the afternoon. And then my aftercare program picks him up and they keep him from 3.30 until either me or his mom gets him um at well before six but this year i'm sorry this week it's closed i guess they call it winter break
0: oh yeah so we've had so, it already
1: yeah you had that already
0: mm-hmm. yes
1: winter break i decided that he shouldn't go to daycare which is the aftercare that i pay for for the whole week but maybe he should try holiday camp at the ymca oh. so holiday camp you know is basically whenever there's a school holiday. You know, they charge you, same thing, daycares charge you to keep the kids, except they're doing different things. At daycare and or aftercare, he's there with a bunch of kids that are younger than him. Like, he started there at a year old.
0: Wow. Um,
1: Yeah. So he's been there, you know, going on four years now. But all the kids there now are younger than him. They're all in, in, uh, you know, high chairs or whatever else it is. And I felt like that wasn't challenging enough for him. So um, I decided to send him to this camp. He's the youngest one there. They got 20 kids in there. He's the youngest one. The oldest is probably 10 or 11. And then they vary in between that.
0: Wow. So he's being challenged.
1: So he cried. So his mother's job was to drop him off the first day. Okay. So if your listeners catch any of this, moms shouldn't be taking kids to the first day of anything if it's going to be tough i'm sorry to say it i'm sorry to say it wow um,
0: i'm not this but I, but this is why i can't be here to keep it safe okay but don't you talk okay here you're welcome sorry she was so. recording and then she <laughs> <laughs>
1: she uh, took him, he started crying that he didn't want to stay. And I got a call around 915. He's supposed to be there at eight. I got a call around 915. I didn't answer it because I was busy doing something else. She called back at 1130 to tell me that he was at work with her and she needed me to come get him. What? I'm like I, I, we can't do this. Yeah, we can't do this. He's got to go to camp. I'm paying for this too. come on, <laughs> He's got to go. Yeah. So uh, I went and picked him up from her job, and uh, I took him down there. I could tell she didn't feel comfortable with it, but I said, no, he's got to go. Now, when we got there, right, he was uh, tearing up a little bit. Okay. Right? So so I said, you know, that he was scared, Um, you know, and I had the conversation with him. I just took him to the side, and I had the conversation with him. Dude, you're a big boy now. You got to do big boy things. You can't just go to uh, 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 the other place because everybody's little there. These are all bigger, you know, and I understand And he started. So I went and we sat down and I ate his lunch with him and he got over it. And he said he was ready to go. And he's been fired up about this thing ever
0: since. Ever since. That's awesome. Look at that. Right? Yeah. That's
1: why I say. Come Mama's can't drop the kids off for anything new, any big transition. It's (laughs) got to be dad's. I'm sorry. Because y'all, they start crying. Now, I'll be honest, though. Let me be honest. If it was a girl, if I had a girl, I cannot say that I would be acting the exact same way. I am pretty sure I would be so much softer on a girl. But still, you got to get through this. You got to go through this. If you, if you want to be all that you can be, you gotta, you gotta try this at least.
0: Yeah. That's, I have to have those types of my daughters sometimes. I think though, for boys, it's easier coming from their dad than their moms, but then some moms don't have the dads and, you know, so they have to do it. They don't have a choice.
1: Yes. Especially, you know, the distance that, uh, you and your child, your co-parent lives in, right? Your co-parent is still where in Atlanta.
0: He lives in Memphis, actually.
1: Memphis, that's right, Memphis.
0: Yeah, And yeah.
1: we don't and really so, cope
0: yeah. anyway. so I just want to, you know, it's pretty impossible. <laughs> well, not impossible, but yeah, like, we don't really cope and I think I told y'all that whenever I was on y'all's podcast.
1: Uh, yeah, I was just hoping that uh, it had changed, that changed a little <laughs> since. <laughs> yeah.
0: Not much, actually. He asked me last month about getting her. And he did not follow up with like a date or anything like that. So then this month he texts me again and he's like, you know, would you be able to meet me with her? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, yes. Do you know what date you would like to meet? And he said, well, I'm thinking next weekend. I said, that should be feasible. Let me know what time you would like to meet. And then I didn't hear any more from him. So there's that. And we're about to end the month of February. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I don't think too much into it, you know. I just do what I have to do mm-hmm. and keep it moving.
1: Which is what I've heard from a lot of uh, single moms, you know, and which is the same thing for me. I just do what I have to do. Um, you know, I get upset. I get frustrated about it sometimes. I talk to my people about it, but I still just do what I have to do. So, you know, I'm ready to go whenever you're ready. Clark, you know, we will have to catch up. <laughs>
0: Okay, yes, we can do that. All right. So first of all, thank you for agreeing to chat with me. I really appreciate it. And I guess I will officially welcome you to the show. (laughs) Um, For those that don't know, this is David. And he is the co-host of the Single Dad Why You Mad podcast in Clark, Texas. He said, give him two seconds. (laughs) So David, tell everybody a little bit about you.
1: Okay. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate this. Uh, and uh, you were, if I can just say really quick, our first guest ever on our podcast. Are
0: you serious?
1: You were our first guest ever, right? Wow! And oh not only were you, out, yeah, or I believe it was our fourth or fifth show, you were the first guest, and then it has skyrocketed ever since. Very wow, rarely do we that's have men. Very rarely do we have men. We usually have women. We have a podcast called Single Dad, Why You Mad, right? And the single dad um, is obvious, but the why you mad is ambiguous, and it's ambiguous for a reason. Um, And I'm just going to say that that name came because uh, I remember being on in Manhattan, standing outside the Apple store, wrapped. Uh, with my son in the rappy or the moby, is that what it's called when you wrap yeah, the uh, so. the wall? Warm... Yeah,
0: There's several brands, but yes, one of them is the moby.
1: Yes. Uh, this woman, I got. I, I think I had his bottle in one pocket. I had diapers coming out of the other pocket. Um, I had his pacifier in my mouth, and he's in my in the moby, facing me, eating a cookie, right? And this woman walks by. He might have been nine months, eight months. And this woman walks by and stops and says. You look amazing. Uh, And then she's looking around. She says, "So where's mom? You waiting for mom?" And I said, "No." And she says, "You're out here by yourself?" And I said, "Yeah." And she says, "Who wrapped that for you?" And I said, "I did." And she says, "I don't even know how to wrap that." And that's where the why you mad came from. People were always coming up to me as a single dad. If my son was crying, you need to do this. If they saw me with him, they just stare, like get amazement. And I'm like, why are you looking at me like that? So that's where the why you mad came from. It's not, you know, really like, you know, I'm mad or people are like physically angry. It's a metaphor, if, if I can say that. So we have a single dad, why you mad podcast. Um, we air on Sundays. I am, uh, 54 years old. I will be 54, uh, March 3rd. So. Yeah, what is that? A week away? Two weeks away?
0: Wow! And
1: um, yeah, my kid will be four years old right after that. I had him at fifty, so I say that all the time. Also, I had him at fifty. I did not have him; his mother had him. <laughs> um, but uh, I had my first and only kid at fifty years old.
0: Oh my! And that is mean...
1: yes, it is. So, he how is old boy. is his
0: mom, if you don't mind me asking?
1: So, his mom when she got pregnant, was 38. I was 50. She was, okay, when she had him. Um, She was 38. I was 50. So, um, yeah, she's 40. She'll be 43 now. Sorry, 41 now. Yeah, 41.
0: Wow, that's very interesting. So did you guys plan this, or was it not planned?
1: So I'm going to do my best (laughs) to be uncraft. Right in my late 30s, early 40s. Right, I had just come out of a serious long term relationship, like maybe four or five years, um, that didn't work out. Right, and I was enjoying my life, but I guess the biological clock was also ticking for me. There is a biological clock for men just as much as there is a biological clock for women. Right, and I was saying, I want a kid, you know, I've been enjoying my life, you know. I'm in Miami, you know, every summer, uh, I'm traveling islands, Aruba, you know, I got motorcycles and all sorts of sort of stuff, but like, you know, I wanted to leave a legacy. I wanted to have a legacy. So I said, the next woman I get involved with, uh, she going to catch some of these, uh, if you understand what I'm trying to say, right. She going to catch some of these, right. Enough already. Um, And I got involved with this woman who I had known for 10 years before that, right? We worked together. And, uh, you know, she was in the same place, although she didn't say it outwardly, where, you know, she was looking to have a child. So that energy just caught each other. We never had a conversation about it. Two or three months into uh, dating each other, uh, we realized she was pregnant. And neither one of us said that we were going to do anything else but have a baby.
0: Okay, so y'all understood that from the very beginning,
1: from the time she got pregnant. Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's like
1: really we, so we weren't trying, but we weren't not not trying.
0: Right, is, you, you weren't
1: preventing were of happening. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Gotcha. Okay, that's very interesting, Clark. Welcome. How are you this morning? So nice. What you up,
2: ma? How we doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, sorry for the late arrival, but I am here. I am here. Uh, so he, he he's telling the, uh, the foundational que- – well, answering the foundational question.
0: Yeah, so he's <laughs> told us a little bit about the show, and then he's told us about um, who he is. So you can do the same. Let us know um, oh, nobody, a little bit no, about you.
2: Nobody wants to know who I am. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I – so – I, I guess since you asked, you know, I, I'm Clark. I'm David's co-host on the soon-to-be legendary Single Dad Why You Mad podcast. Now I'm a single dad raising three daughters. I got started a little earlier in the daddy game than David did. I, I was 25 when I had my first kid, and uh, I'm now, you know, co-parenting with my ex-wife and raising a 19-year-old, a 13-year-old, and an 11-year-old.
0: Wow. So, how did you guys get to the point where you were like, we're going to co-parent? I know, David, you said you guys sort of had this discussion whenever she was pregnant, like, we're going to do this. But, Clark, for you, um, getting a divorce, how was that decision? Was it automatically set by the courts, or was it something you and your ex-wife decided, like, hey, we're going to co-parent? What did that look like?
2: So I I guess the first question first, how do we end up being divorced? You know, it's like going broke or insane. It's gradual, but all at once. You know, so it's one of those things that happens. You go like, well, how do we get here? But if you, you know, once you have an opportunity to step back from it and observe what was going on, you knew that it was a long time in the making. And as we were going through the divorce process, we we went and we saw a mediator. And the, the first piece of advice the mediator gave us, was the more you keep the courts out of your life, the happier you will be. And that goes for both of you. You're two adults, and you may not always get along. You may not always want to deal with each other, but you have these three little lives that are caught in between you who didn't ask to come here. And if you can sort it out between yourselves, you're going to be a lot better off for it. And I never got
1: that advice.
2: (laughs) Nobody ever gave me that advice. Most people don't. Most people don't, and, and especially at that time, because we, we started going through our divorce process. Or we, we separated in 2009, and there was a lot of divorce going on on the tail end of the financial crisis. And so you, what you saw, or what we saw, was a lot of our neighbors and a lot of our friends going through it. And what would happen is you would get people who would get caught up in the emotion of divorce, and it was financially ruinous. That was the other part. Somebody else pulled me to I was like, are you sure you want to do this? It's the most financially ruinous thing you can do to yourself and your family. And I was like, brother, I ain't got no choice. You know. But watching people go through it and hearing and me, like I, I'm a researcher, you know, like I, I research and I analyze and so on and so forth. And looking at at all the stuff that was going on around me and reading behind it, like you hear the stories like people... You know thirty, forty, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars in debt to go through a divorce, and I was like, eh, nah son, nah you know so we 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 got the mediator involved, and she was great about giving us really good advice and we We sat down and we came up with a parenting schedule, and for the most part, we adhered to it, you know, but we also realized that if there is a need for change, if there's a need for flex you know, we should be willing to, to, to work with each other on it. Like for me, you know, there are times where I'll travel for work. So I'll have to be gone for a handful of days or she may travel for work or she might just be like, I need a break and I got this going on. And so we'll juggle. But for the most part, like I have them four nights a week. She has them three nights a week. And, you know, we'll, we work around that.
1: So that is the part that we have been able to manage me and my co-parent um, uh, without the court's help, right? Somewhat like prior before going to court, we had already established a schedule. We were going to split my child 50, 50. Um, and we were doing that before. The only issue was that, you know, um, you know, there would be times when, you know, the schedule would just be all over the place and I couldn't just, and I couldn't manage or get a handle on it. So we sort of went to court to formalize it um, where, you know, it became a written document, but we always agreed that, you know, we wanted to split our child 50, 50. And it's easy for us also, unlike, you know, probably a lot of other co-parents out there because we live around the corner from each other. Mm -hmm. You know, when we broke up, I got an apartment right around the corner because I was not going to be, but so far away from my kid, you know, knowing that I would get calls in the middle of the night, you know if he's sick or whatever else it is that needs to go to the doctor just you know have an experience that with uh nieces and nephews that i grew up with you know kids get sick sometimes in the middle of the night they show up with a fever of 102 out of nowhere right and you know somebody's got to run him to the hospital and it was just easier for me if i lived around the corner where i could you know be available and be ready and be easily accessible
2: that, that makes absolute sense. If you think about any relationship, right? Like proximity matters in, in in helping to build and support that relationship. And, you know, being near to your kids helps you to be, you know, active in their lives, helps you to be aware of what's going on. You know, so like my ex-wife and I, like she's, I kept the house in a divorce and she's moved several times during, you know, during the time since we split. But it's never been more than a, a 15, 20 minute drive. So, you know, if something goes down at school, one of us can jump in and go, okay, you know, I got it covered. Or, you know, something goes down where one of the kids is feeling well, one of us can jump in and go, yo, I got it covered. You know, but it's, it's always with that. Our kids are the center and, you know, we, our other shit we just got to figure out on the back end.
0: Right. Now, let me ask y'all this. So, how do you actually define co-parenting? Because, you know, simply, I believe it to be when two people unmarried or separated share the duties of parenting. I think that's a really simple definition, but how do you guys define it?
2: Yeah, I would agree with that definition. Um, For our purposes, whenever we talk about being single dads, you know, you, you are not actively involved in a relationship with you know, the, the parent, other parent to your child, but you are actively involved in the raising direction and stewardship of that kid's life. You know, you're not just throwing money at the at, at the situation. And and that, that was generally the heading of all of our episodes in the beginning, like reinforcing what we believe the single dad to be. Uh, for, for the sake of co-parenting, I think that applies. It, it's you are actually participating in parenting. Does that mean that you have your kid as many hours as the other parent sometimes that's not the case you know but you are actively involved in you know hanging out with your kid spending time with your kid having input on the decisions that impact your kid's life you know as, as we refer to it on our show you business with your kid
0: mm, yes. that's
1: exactly that's what I was going to say that's that yeah you that's so that's a Caribbean thing I'm not Caribbean but I'm on board with it now right I business with my kid <laughs> Right. Yes. Um, and, and the only other thing I would add to that, right, is that um, <clears throat> it has traditionally been that um, a woman or the mother, you know, um, has had the kids more often than not. Right. right. Uh, uh, than the father. Right. Times are changing, but it's not. And, and, and there has been a difference. But, you know, there's still the overwhelming perception that the mother has the child more than the father. And I guess what I'm getting to is that there's always going to be, be it the mother or the somebody who the child lives with more, right? It can, first of all, there's 365 days in a year, not 366. So it's always it's never gonna be 50-50. It could just never happen, right? But it's just natural that one parent is going to take on more parenting duties than the other. That would be the case when the two parents are living together. Cause I've heard this from so many of my, um, you know, female friends, you know, that even in the house when they're okay. So one of my female friends, Clark's, uh, sister, my best friend, once said to me, David, you do more with your kids than some dads that actually live in the house. In the house. You yeah. know, it, it, it happens. It, it happens there. Yeah. Yeah, there are parents, you know, it, it's just natural that there's always going to be one parent that's more involved in the parenting than the other. It It's just unavoidable.
2: But you know, it's funny that you say that, David, because perception breeds reality, right? And when you are co-parenting with somebody, if there is something that they see that needs to be done, no matter how much you're doing, you're not doing enough, right? <laughs> so, like, I would always say, like, when I was married, it was like, a man who loves a woman will move heaven earth for her. And she will look over his shoulder and go, but you left the sea sitting right there. <laughs> right. And, and so it so it's funny because like to, to David's point, like the observation as a single dad and, and an involved single dad, you do a lot. And my ex-wife will come to me and will be like, Oh, you didn't do this. So I asked you to take care of that. And I'm like, yo, like I'm, I'm juggling a lot right here, ma. Like, give me a minute. And it's funny because in in counter conversations, she will sit with other people and be like, yo, he's amazing. He does this. He does that. He does a third. But to me, it's like, oh, you're not doing enough. And it's funny because you will hear that in a lot of relationships. You know, when you're, when you're stuck in it and you're frustrated with all the things that need to be done, it's always that push for more out of the person you're with, you know, or, the feeling that it's not a 50 50 situation and the reality is
0: it'll never be
2: exactly you know like some of the most successful people i've seen in relationships you know like and by successful i mean you know a level of respect and duration time in and so forth you know and they look genuinely happy you don't spend every day with them so you don't know but like the conversation we have like i've had with them and people in those situations over the years and it's Almost universally, it's like, yo, that 50-50 thing is a hoax. It's generally like 60-40, 80-20, and it swings back and forth. So it's basically, you may not have the time, energy, and bandwidth to deliver your full 50, so I've got to carry that for a little while. And then there's going to come a point where something's drawing from my energy and my well and you're gonna come with the additional resources to cover it to make sure we're good. But that's the part of being a team.
0: Yes, and you know, to your point, Clark, I think that a lot of women don't really realize what they're doing until you actually sit them down and let them know, and even then, they have to really think about it to notice that it's a problem. You know, like we're constantly uh, wanting men to do more when they are, most of the times, doing the best that they can do, right? So I think that's something that uh, moms, if you're listening, you know, be mindful of that. And I never have done that, that I can recall, but I do hear about it often from a lot of guys. Well, yeah, I mean, cause so, the, oh,
1: so you know,
2: go ahead. David.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's similar to, to, to work, right. You know, I've got a couple of people working for me. Right. And there are certain people who only have the capacity to do certain things, and they are truly doing the best that they can do. Mm-hmm. It's not what you know employee A would be doing. It's not what employee B could be doing. It's not what employee C could do, but employee D, you know, um, in comparison to everybody else, can only do you know ten widgets a day. But he's doing the best he can. Meanwhile, employee A is pushing out twenty five widgets a day. Employee B is pushing out you know eighteen. Employ- you know people you know, are generally, even when, you know, it's fucked up, yeah. what they're doing are basically doing the best that they can do. Can they do better? Absolutely. Could, could they use a kick in the ass sometimes to, to do better? Yeah, absolutely. But in that moment, in that time, that person is probably doing the best that they know how to do.
2: Yeah, or, or you take it another, another step, right? And one of the things, like, as we're talking about business, and it, I think it relates to relationships. The difficulty with exceptional people is sometimes they don't realize that not everybody's exceptional in the same ways, right? So, using the example of of, of a work situation or how it relates to how it relates to relationship and coupling and co-parenting, there are going to be certain things and certain ways that you view the world because of your family of origin, because of your experiences, because of just you know the way you're geared that the person that you are sharing space and responsibilities with is not going to see them. Right. And you using my specific situation, as an example, my ex-wife is incredibly detail oriented and meticulous and organizationally savvy. Like in in terms of structuring things and and putting things together. Like if you ever want a party plan, boom, she's your girl. And she will, she will get every single Meticulous detail down to the T. I do not have the bandwidth for that. I do not have the eye for it. And that is often a source of butting of heads for us because there will be little meticulous things. And she goes well, how do you not see that? I'm like, bro, like that, that's not in my wheelhouse. Whereas I tend to be a, a larger picture, longer term macro thinker. So it's okay, how does this impact the five, 10, 15, 20 year plan for the overall? family or you know in in business terms the organization right and so in dealing with her I know that she's thinking about what's going on in the next five minutes and the intricate details of that next five minutes and I'm like bro like okay you're focusing on that tree but the entire forest on fire how do we how do we put that out and so it becomes that juggle and a lot of times when I have the conversations with with my female friends who complain about their partners yeah, you know, it's 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 a lot of that. It's the idea of I'm exceptionally good at this thing, or I view the world in this very finite way. Why can't he do this? Why can't he change and see it the way I do? And is and my rebuttal is, why don't you broaden your lens and realize that your lens is not the only lens for the universe, and there might be a whole lot that you're missing by by not opening that scope.
0: Oh, that's good. That is so good, Clark. So I just want to say, though, that whatever our opinions are about, you know, the state of American marriages and relationships, it's really hard to argue against the need for consistency, ability, and effective communications between both parents for the best possible outcome of the child. And so, with that being said, I just want to talk about, you know, Clark. I think you mentioned that you have an agreement, and I think, David, you guys have one, too, so how did you get to the point of like, deciding on who's going to have what days, and then actually making sure that you guys remain flexible, because I think a lot of people argue about these small things. They're like, well, you know, you said you were going to get them on this day. You weren't able to get them. Now it's, you know, a week later, and they're both angry at each other, and they can't put those differences aside to, you know, come to an agreement. So what are some ways that you guys have worked through it initially?
1: Um, So, um, that is a great question, right? Um, And I think that there's a a difference, first of all, I wanna start here, in our situations, right? And the situation that you just mentioned. And I think the, the, the biggest difference in the first place is right, is that Clark and I have already committed ourselves to, you know, being that sort of 50 50 parent, right?
0: Okay. Can I stop um, you right there because yeah. I just I have this question. Do you think age plays a factor? Because you already go into this thing knowing like what you're gonna do, whereas I feel like you know maybe for some of my younger moms or um, dads that may be listening you know, like it, things just happen and then they're not really in it from the beginning. I, I,
2: I, that's, I, what,
1: that's exactly where I'm going. That is exactly okay. where I'm going with this.
0: Okay. That is exactly
1: where F- I'm going. Finish right? your thought because I so, want to touch
2: on that too. Go ahead.
1: So, so we were in this like already just made up our minds from day one, from the time that they were in the womb, that I am going to be an integral part of this person's life right so it's easy to get to a a a parenting agreement that works be it i got a monday you got a tuesday wednesday thursday friday whatever that is it's easy to get to that when you're there right um when you're in that in that place that we are and it's easy also to say or to be flexible about when i have them and when i don't have them because you know If I've got them on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you've got them on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And for some reason, I need you to take them on Monday. And I know that I'm going to have to take them on some Saturday because I know at some point I'm going to need you to take them on Monday again. You know what I'm saying? It's a selfish give and take. It's not just a give and (laughs) take because. You know what I'm saying? It's a I know at some point I'm going to need you to watch them. So if you ever tell me you need me to watch them, I'm all with that, right? But, you right. know, that and being that committed from day the, one.
0: Yeah. And it's yeah. not yeah. the reality. So that's different. Yeah, <laughs> for a yeah. lot of yeah. people.
1: That's, 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 yeah, that's different. Um, and and I think, right, because I have not, I'm not there, but, you know, I, I have a whole bunch of friends who are there. I think that when you get in it with somebody who is not at that point in their life where they're saying this child is the priority, I'm going to make sure I'm intimately involved in this child's life. You are playing with a whole new set of rules, right? Um, and and for me, I think I would start, and I'm not sure it would work, but I would start with the, you know, don't you want? So I said this on our podcast, right? And I don't know how this is going to sound, but I'll say it again, right? <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I love the I disclaimer. Love... Because I love everybody, and I mean this when I say this, I love all the moms, I love everybody. And I love my mother. I love my mother. My mother saved my life. But I wouldn't trust my mother to raise my kids 100% of the time without some influence from me. I want my imprint on this kid. I need to have my imprint. I need this kid to do something like me besides just look like me, right? Even if, you know, if there's a chance they look like me, right? Walk, talk, something. I need to have an imprint on this kid. I don't trust nobody to raise my kids 100% of the time without me being involved. It's like, you know, because, you know, not that people are, are, are fucked up, but we've all got some baggage with us. And that baggage needs to be balanced by somebody else's baggage or somebody else's non baggage. That's my belief. I could be absolutely, you know, um, wrong on that with 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 the baggage part. But I just want to be involved. And you got to I, I don't think that everybody is there. Like everybody understands that, you know, some people, oh, they got it. Right. Oh, it'll be all right. Oh, they got it. They'll be all right. Oh, they can handle it. They'll figure it out they'll be all right they've been doing it up to this long why not why do they need me to, to 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 get involved now listen you know you cannot complain about how your child um is and I'm talking about uh, a parent that's not involved you cannot complain about how your child was raised when you see your child at 10 11 12 13 years old or why you got that attitude why they do it if you were not there to help balance some of that
0: Come on and preach,
2: Yo, David. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I want to Hosanna and Hallelujah that on the back end. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, because because it, it's it's factual, right? And I think it, to David's point, we we approach our 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 and co- coining the phrase or you know borrowing the phrase conscious uncoupling, like our our splits for our exes, we embrace that. Going, these are still my kids. You know, or or, 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 like I say, my cubs, like these are mine. I made them, I'm responsible for them, you know? But I think a lot of it is what you were shown in your life, what matters to you in your life and whether or not being a dad is a priority, right? And I can say when I started out in my situation with my ex-wife, like we weren't like consciously going, we're going to have kids. We were two people who were involved in a long distance situationship. She got pregnant, and we're like, okay, we're having this kid. And at that moment, I made the decision, I am absolutely going to be involved in this child's life. And I was only 25 years old at the time.
0: Wow, very mature, Clark.
2: But it's also coming from what I've seen. My dad you know, was, was an active father, married to my mom until the day he passed away, and he, they raised five of us together. And they had a hand in, you know, stewarding my entire neighborhood. And, and like, I, I've shared the story on, on our podcast. Like, when my dad passed away, I had to drive around the block three times in order to find parking to attend his funeral. Because that many people showed up and he had that much of an impact on the people that were involved in our lives. And that's the example that was set for me. So it was never a question. Now, but, but, Clark,
1: there are people who grew up in that situation who do the same thing, though, who still don't exactly. get involved. Exactly. I was just about that? to so, say
2: that. So, that, so I, and I'm just about to touch on that. So, you know, not everybody absorbs the same lessons, right? You can have siblings who grow up in the same household and have completely different personality types and moral values because certain situations impact one, one sibling in a very different way than they impact the other, or they view a situation in a very different way than, than the other one did. And with the uncoupling, with the breakup of a relationship, right? One of the things I, I've seen a lot is you got dads who are incredibly involved with their kids when they are in the house with the mom. And then very often when you go through a divorce, you know, statistically 70% or more of breakups and divorces are instituted by women. Women, when they go, and this is statistically and, and anecdotally conversations I've had about it at least, Women, when they approach divorce and they approach leaving, this is something that they sit with and they noodle for six months, a year, five years, ten years. Something has been building within them, and then they decide to leave. Very often when you talk to guys on the onset of a divorce or, or a huge breakup, especially when there's kids involved, they're usually like, I was caught off guard. I didn't know what was happening. I can't believe she left. I thought things were okay. Or, yeah, we were always happy, but, you know, that's just part of life. So I say all that to say that very often these guys who started off as involved dads see the breakup as the dissolution of the family as a whole. Mm, And they go, yo, oh, you don't need me? Oh, you're turning your back on our family? I want no part of it. And I can't tell you how many single moms I've met who were like, oh, yeah, you know, his father moved back to Russia after the kid, you know, after we split or, you know, her dad is living in, in, in Arizona now and we live in new England, you know, or he picked up and he, you know, he moved back to Puerto Rico or wh- wherever it is, you know? So a lot of times it's that resentment that dudes feel about the breakup that caused them to stop businessing with their kids, which I think is horseshit, wow. but, you know that's their lens, and so the the, the so the, the the big problem is, if somebody does not view something as a priority, it's very difficult to change their mind, right? So, if you're dealing with a dude who wasn't active and attentive to you as y'all were dealing with each other, and then he finds out you're pregnant, he's not going to automatically become active and attentive to that child. You you you're trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yeah. Yeah. If you're if you're dealing with a dude who's active and attentive to you and your child and then y'all split and he's resentful of the breakup, you know, it it may take, there's a potential for coaching and conversation to make sure that he maintains that relationship with the kid. But if he's a dude who, you know, just took his ball and ran, good luck. Cause he probably ain't going to come back.
0: Yeah. And Clark, that's really good. I'm sorry. Go
2: ahead. Uh,
0: Oh, I was just going to say that's really good information too. to, um, have when we're out here like dating now you know other people going into it i think we should learn a lot from our past experiences because i'll say like whenever i was younger nobody ever really talked to me about relationships and communicating and what that all looked like and so you know i was with my child's father and i talked about this i think whenever i told my story you know when i first started but he actually had a kid in high school, and he wasn't really involved in the kid's life. I mean, he would work and send money, but he wasn't physically involved. So then, you know, I got pregnant thinking, okay, since we're together, everything is been great. Like, he's going to be involved. But um, it wasn't the case. If I didn't ask him to do something, he didn't do it. And he was raised in a household with both his mom and his dad. His dad was partially active, but he mainly worked while his mom stayed at home. And so I didn't know anything really about their family dynamics until later.
2: Oh, I, that, that is that is so huge. Right. And I don't mean to get on my soapbox, but like that, that's something like with all of the relationship conversations I have with my with my friends and people who reach out to me with these questions. I'm like, know who you were getting involved with before you commit to that situation. Yes. What is it, What is it, like, what's their family of origin look like? And it's simple things. Like, did they grow up in a large family? Did they grow up in a small family? You know, were both of their parents present? What was exemplified for them in terms of relationships? You know, did they see people who disagreed but continue to work towards a common goal? Right? And... Does that align with what you saw? And if it doesn't, if it doesn't align, are you willing to do the body of work?
0: Oh yes, I was just about to say that. Are you open to coaching? Right. And, and the and the problem is most of us aren't.
2: Most of us yeah. aren't. And and it's funny because, like, as a single dad, the question and and David, you know, you can chime in on this. But like, as a single dad, one of the questions I get all the time is like, oh, when are you getting remarried? Oh, oh, well, don't you miss coming home to somebody? Uh, don't you want to be in a relationship? Don't your kids need a mom? I'm like, well, first off, they got a mom and their mom is active and, you know, bends over backwards for them. So that, that, that's check. I said, as far as me, why does my happiness bother you? Do I look like I need the stress of, you know, trying to meet and deal with somebody who's not doing the body of work to improve themselves in the way that I am? Because yeah. most of us are Most of us go into situations and we go, what's wrong with all these people versus oh, shit, what's wrong with me?
0: Right, what can I do to be better?
2: Right, or even worse, why am I attracting these people? Oh, yo, wh- why am I attracting these men that are like this? And the response that I have to, to to my friends is, wolves don't hunt lions, right? You are carrying yourself in a way and sending out signals and, in, and entertaining people who are going to prey on you. And you leave one situation with a person who exemplifies those behaviors and then moves to another situation with another person who has the same set of behaviors and you wonder why. Or you get in a situation with somebody who's good for you and your toxic behaviors spill over and destroy the situation. And that, that, that's both male and female, it's not just women, but you know, it, we, we are all guilty of it. If we're not open to the coaching and the development that it takes to, number one, realize what your issues are. Number two, work on those issues and thirdly don't entertain people who don't have the same intention and energy issue you. because you like th- th- this is what a lot of us get into when we when we end up in parenting situations we go that person is attractive that person you know is you know fun and exciting especially when we're younger and that person is great in bed and we get sex mistized, you know like we get blinded by by the sexual energy or you know, one of my friends refers to it as NRE, New Relationship Energy. And we're just going and we're, we're feeding off that without thinking of the long-term ramifications of having that person in your life and potentially having that person in your life forever. You know, like I, I, like I refer to my ex-wife and I as being inextricably bound. We have these three kids that, you know, granted, they're approaching, you know, two in teenage years, one more approaching it. But the way I see it, parenting isn't done when my kid becomes 18. Parenting is a lifetime journey.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: Right? And so I'm not giving up my relationship with my kids for the sake of avoiding you. And I know she ain't giving up her relationship with the kids for the sake of avoiding me. So we just got to figure this shit out.
0: Yes, David, I know you had something you were going to say.
2: Yeah, so I, I like I witnessed uh,
1: this thing. I was in court yesterday. Right, and I witnessed this guy, who you know, and I'm gonna say young. I'm gonna say you know, um, late twenties. And I can call anybody young because I'm 54, right? Um, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, I'll be 54. I keep, I keep adding now I'll, I'll be 54. And hey, you don't look it, um, which is the crazy thing.
0: Oh, <laughs> <all>, no. <laughs> Thank, you.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I feel it though. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, he was talking about how you know, he was talking to this woman that was sitting across from him about how he had been here all day and the last time he was here, he ain't got the money and they keep asking him for all his money and they suspended his license and they put out a warrant for his arrest um, you know, uh, and he can't travel, you know, his passport, you know, he can't do none of that sort of stuff, you know, he said yeah, man, you know, uh, the next time, you know, uh, I have a kid, man, I'm going for full custody, man, or at least partial. And I got up and I moved away from this guy, right? Because I'm not the kind of person that can sit there and listen to that sort of stuff, right? And the judge said to him um, at one point, you know, uh, when he told the judge uh, why uh, I got pay all this money, it's not fair that I got pay all this money. And the judge said, "Well, stop having children." And he was like, "Oh." That ain't right. You can't tell me that. You can't tell me that. That's how you feel. That's how you feel.
0: Basically, (laughs) yes.
1: Wrong and strong, Jeff. It it made absolute sense. Stop having kids. If you don't want to pay, stop having kids. Don't have kids, right? I am responsible for my actions, right? If there's anything that my mother taught me, right? And if there's anything that I would want her to imprint on my kids, right, is that I am responsible for all. You know, y'all gonna get a word today. Okay, you can preach on, y'all gonna get a word today. I am responsible for my actions, right? I don't know if any of you seen this, but uh, there was this video about Lawrence Taylor and his life, right? And he had um, some kids with his uh, first wife and he wasn't really around. Um, it's in his documentary and he wasn't really around for that, you know? And his wife, when they were breaking up, He still wasn't really around. You know, he was cutting the check, but he wasn't really around. And his wife said to him, you know, the money is nice, but you are going to regret it. You watch. You are going to regret one day not being involved in this kid's life. You are going to regret it, right? And then they, later on in the documentary, his daughter is getting married. And she is being walked down the aisle, not by Lawrence, but by her... by the mother's second husband whom she married and they had been living together and he raised those kids, you know, outside of child support, he raised the kids that they had. He was walking her down the aisle. And Lawrence Taylor was sitting in the front row at the wedding, crying uncontrollably. He couldn't stop crying. It was out of control. He was blubbering like a baby. They got it on film, right? And they went to the mother and they asked her about it and she said, good for him. That's exactly what he gets. Good for him. He missed out on raising these kids. That's why he's crying, because he feels bad about it. I do not want to get to a point in my life where I feel bad about having, not being able to show up for my kid on an instance when I absolutely could have shown up for my kid. Right? It's not just about the money. And I say this to people all the time. It's not just about the money. Right. You I can I can't tell you how many of my female friends would love to be able to drop their kid off at their baby daddy's house over the weekend just so she can go out and sod it up for a weekend.
0: She would love
2: <laughs> to do that.
1: <laughs> listen. Please, keep the, listen. Keep the money and just take him for the weekend or for the summer and let mommy go out and get her hair done, get a nails done, get a wig straight and sod <laughs> it up for the summer. Dude.
0: Let my spot
1: it up for the summer. <laughs> Let me. I, I have a life. Uh, listen, uh, Are we trying to live life? out here, okay? We trying to live too. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So it's not just about money, and and for some reason, you know, it has been equated to fatherhood for so long. Has been equated to money, and it's not. And it's not. It's time. It's time. Time is way more valuable. It's just and way is, and more valuable.
2: Even even in traditional families, like the the old school nineteen fifties, you know, benchmark that's held up in our face, like oh, daddy works, mommy stays at home, and you know, that's the way it is. Mommy handles all the stuff with the house and the children. But you know, even in Leave It to Beaver, they came into their dad's den, you know, while he's sitting there having his after work martini, and they have conversations with him, you know, and he provides them with advice. Or he goes out in the backyard and he, throws, you know, he tosses the ball around with, with, with Beave and Wally and the neighborhood kids or whatever the hell it is. Like, even those dads business with their kids to some degree. Like, yeah, if you're in the factory all day or you're at work all day, you know, you need to come home, you need to take a couple minutes to decompress, but you're involved and you're active and you're present in their lives. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's wild because, like, the the back end conversation. You know, like I I've seen so many of these situations where you get dudes who don't business with their kids, right? Like they don't spend any time with their kids, they don't look for their kids. You know, it's like, oh, I gotta take my kid this weekend, I gotta babysit my son on Thursday. Motherfucker, stop it's not babysitting this, yours. <laughs> you made them.
1: <laughs> right?
2: But you you'll hear that and then they will be like, oh. Oh, oh, like it's a burden to be involved with or stop doing what you got to do to spend time with that kid. And then you fast forward, and these would be the same dudes who in their 50s and 60s and 70s be like, yo, yeah, I got some kids, but they don't even come look for me. They don't ask for me. You know, they don't pick up the phone when I call. You know, oh, my daughter had a wedding, and I didn't even, you know, I wasn't even invited to the wedding. She ain't seen you in 30 years.
0: Sadly, that may be me that's another
2: topic yeah
1: so 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 i think one of the things i would i would offer you know um um to get back to your original question um is that in brown versus the board of education or any of those other stuff right the laws were already there the laws were on the books right um white people go to this school black people go to this school right the law was on the books right segregation white people over here black people over here To argue the law, to argue the facts with somebody about this, you know, um, um, I need time off, or you never had them, or whatever else it is, or I have them all the time, probably is not going to go anywhere, right? Not at all. We won. Thurgood Marshall won that conversation on the moral argument. His moral argument was that it's not right. His moral argument was that this is not good for the long run. His moral argument, if you're gonna have an argument with somebody about something like this, I think start with the moral argument that don't you wanna have an imprint on this child? Don't you want to be involved in this child's life? Don't you want this child to know you? You can't, if you, it's never too late, but it could be too late. It happened. Don't you want this child to be the best that they can be? Do you want this child to grow up with the same resentments you grew up with? Do you, don't you want this child to have the best that they could possibly? Start with the moral argument. If you're looking to get your co-parent involved, you gotta start with the moral, cause the factual arguments, people ain't, they, 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 they you know, they, it, it, it goes over their head.
2: It uh, well, goes right I, by them. What, I, what I'll add to that though, is that the moral argument in order to make the moral argument you got to understand where that person's morals lie mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm that's right it. yeah
2: you got to understand so if i'm appealing to you from a moral and and uh, and also like and, and it's i swear to god i say this all the time man i say this all the time like we are very unique individuals going through similar circumstances so i've had like a similar conversation to this at least 4 times this week and leading to the point that i'm about to make right now you can say anything you want to anybody on the planet, so long as you phrase it properly. So long as you phrase it in a way that they are willing to receive the message, right? Like I, I, like I worked in corporate training for years, and one of the things they would say is, if I'm trying to impart information to you, and you are not getting what I'm saying to you, the 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 problem is not in your understanding. The proper is in my, the problem is in my delivery of the message. And so, as you're communicating with your co-parent, you've got to understand. What do they value, right? What do they value, and how are they going to receive the message? So if you come at them angry and militant and from a, a moral superiority position, particularly with men, they do not tend to be receptive of that.
0: At all. At
2: all. Because, oh, why are you nagging me? Why are you yelling at me? Why are you in my face? Oh, uh, Right. And and then it becomes the wrong and strong situation where they're absolutely in the wrong morally, and 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 from a parenting standpoint, but they just want to dig in their heels and keep going in the opposite direction. You know, I think the other side of the coin, which we we haven't really talked about, and I think it, it bears it bears bringing it into the conversation, is when the child is weaponized against the other parent, right? Yeah. So. It becomes you didn't do the shit that I wanted you to do, so you can't see your child. Or you're not providing the amount of money that I want you to provide, so you can't see your child. Or I'm telling the child certain shit about you that isn't necessarily true, or I'm painting the narrative in a certain way, so you can't see your child, right? Or you can only see the child on my terms, which is another scenario where, and, and it's a very prevalent scenario where you'll get guys who just thought their hands and go, I got no rights, I got no wins, the law is against me, she's against me, you know, this kid will figure it out and they'll come find me whenever they're ready to find me. So Clark and I feel differently about
1: that. I don't know if you know this, but we feel we, 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 we're on different uh, sides of the coin with that.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, like, I, I, I don't support it. I don't say that it's right. I'm saying that that's just another lens for the paradigm.
0: Yeah. It, and, and and I see it happening my, too. Go
1: yes. ahead, David. And my position is uh, guys don't take no for an answer on these streets. I can't tell you how many times a girl didn't tell the guy no in the club and the guy keep pulling on and keep going after and keep going after until he get at her. Right. Guy out here hustling on the street. He don't take no guy out here, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, selling t-shirts or, 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 or whatever else it is. They don't take no for an answer. People know their rights when they want to know their rights. And then people don't want to know their rights uh, when it's convenient for, them, right? Um, Can't you, even when you are not paying child support, you still have the rights to visit your child and see your child and spend time with your child. If you, even if you are completely financially irresponsible for that child, that has nothing to do with your visitation rights. If you want to, properly pursue your visitation rights i think people use that as an excuse
2: i yeah you know, i i think you're absolutely right and but i will also say this we especially people of color but i, th- I think it's all people but i, I think people in col- of color in particular we rely on word of mouth and anecdotal evidence versus facts a lot of the time right and so perfect example i was at an event you know two or three days ago and I was talking to an attorney and we got into the conversation of like disenfranchisement and like, you know, the right to vote and so forth. And he was like, you know, felons can vote. I was like, no, they can't. Like once you, once you, you've had a felony, you can no longer vote. And he goes, that's not the case. And most people think that. And he started citing the body of work. And I'm like, Oh shit. I did the research on top of it and found out that Virginia is the only state that like, unilaterally strips you of your ability to vote once you've been convicted of a felony. Other states you can jump back in after you've been released or you've served parole or you know you have, you may have to re-register but for the most part 49 other states allow you to vote after being a felon. But the word of mouth has historically been that you can't. And then when you look at the statistics that means that like 1 in 6 like or over 20% of 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 the black population is removed from the vote. And then you see the impact it's had on you on the way that like elections have panned out from a presidential and senatorial election cycle over like the past 40 years. Right. And I say all that to say if every man you meet as a young man tells you, oh yeah, I'm I'm in court for this child support. And oh, no matter what I say, you know, I got no I got no rights. Or no matter what I do, you know, they just gonna keep taking it from my check and you know, I show up and she won't let me in the house to see the kids, or she won't let my son come outside to see me, or whatever it is, you fall in line with that because that's what you've always been told. Versus like me, I, hear right? I hear that. I and hear that. And I hear and that and and response
1: to that and my response to that is if the nigga really wanted to vote, he'd find out how he had
2: to vote. The nigga don't really want to vote in the first goddamn place. But, right, but it, right. But if that's, but that, that that's, that's us being exceptional and not realizing that everybody's ex- not exceptional in the same way. It goes back to the same shit I said earlier. Like I, re- like with me, I was sitting there scared shitless going through my divorce because I was laid off. I'd gone through a nine month layoff when my, when my ex-wife was like, she's leaving. And I was like, Oh shit, I'm not going to be able to see my kids. I'm not going to be able to have my kids because where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And I started sweating, and I was shook, and I, but me, the way my mind works, I'm like, okay, what are the workarounds? How do I utilize the system? How do I figure out what my actual rights are? And Because I, you really I, wanted to see your kids. but, I, but you but I really I, wanted to see your kids. Because I really wanted to see my kids, and I also am designed to do that kind of work. Like, even if somebody sends me an article, and they go, yo, this is what's going on, yada, 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 or they, they send me, you know, they start talking about something that's going on in the world or politically or whatever. The first shit I'm doing is going on Snopes or doing the research to see what the actual story is. But that's that I I realize I am exceptional in that way, and not everybody processes in that in that way. And uh, you know, the the vast majority of dudes are going, oh, I can't win, so I ain't even gonna fight. You know, especially when it comes to the government.
1: So uh, we are
2: hijacking (laughs) Kim I know I was like you guys
0: are taking over but it's totally fine
2: (laughs) so so we we go back and forth on this all the time but what do the ladies want to hear Kim
0: all right y'all so we have reached our time and I'm going to stop this episode right here so in order for you to hear what questions the mom submitted and David and Clark's answers you have to tune in next week okay I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you're not already, please go on over to Instagram and follow me at Single Black Motherhood. You can follow David and Clark at single. Why you mad, spelled exactly like it sounds. You can like the page on Facebook, Single Black Motherhood, and check out the website at singleblackmotherhood.com. That is all for now. Thank you guys so much for listening.